today, we continue to be relentless. The message that we want to drive is not episodic. It's not a one-off. It's not just a moment in time when the cameras are on. The work is important when the cameras are off, when people's attention has maybe waned to something else. It's exciting work. It's hard work. It's not for the faint of heart. If there's a glimmer of hope in these difficult days, it's that each of us has an opportunity to make real change. Throughout history, progress has always advanced when individuals and organizations stood up and showed us how to do better. One organization that's been doing that for 160 years is the YWCA. I'm Alain Verveer, and this is Seneca's 100 Women to Hear. We're bringing you some of the world's most inspiring and history-making women you need to hear. The Y fights for women and against racism, and it's gone through its own evolution while becoming the leader it is today. Today, the YWCA serves 2.3 million women and girls across the United States. We're going to talk to the Y's CEO, Alejandra Castillo, about why change is possible and how we can all make it happen. Alejandra has an impressive background in government leadership. She served in two presidential administrations. In 2014, she was appointed the National Director of the Minority Business Development Agency, the first Hispanic American woman to lead the agency. Listen and learn why Alejandra Castillo is one of Seneca's 100 women to hear. Alejandra, it is such a pleasure to have you with us today. I wanted to begin by asking you about the work of the YWCA. We know it seems to be in every community across America. What is the scope of your work? Well, first of all, thank you, Ambassador Revere. It's always a pleasure to not only collaborate with you, but to be part of this amazing journey that you've started with Seneca Women Podcast. The scope of the YWCA, you know, it's so broad. We do everything from early childcare, after school program, workforce development, leadership academy, summer camps. But we also are the largest providers of services for survivors of domestic violence. Um, and we also do women entrepreneurship. We do so many different things, especially as we anchor our work around women of color and our racial justice work. So YWCA, many people may know, we're a 162-year-old organization, so we've been around, we've seen many different things, and we've been able to be sustainable because we are responsive to the needs of the communities that we serve. So we serve over 1,200 communities through our 204 associations, and it's beautiful work because the work of eliminating racism and empowering women really is very layered, but also very exciting because we really stand in that intersection of gender uh, equality and racial justice. So a lot to talk about and more to uh, journey through YWCA. Terrific work. You know, mentioning your history, I have to ask you this question about the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage, which we're marking, the anniversary of the adoption of the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote. I know that the YWCA has had historic involvement in the suffrage movement. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So our our history is so rich. I usually take time and visit Smith College, which has digitized all of our historic records. And our history is so rich 
because we've been around for 162 years, we were an established organization when the suffrage movement really took flight and, and all the work that was done. But as you can imagine, the women's movement is a very complex journey. Not everybody was in the same alignment at times. Uh, there was debates and conversations. There were organizations like YWCA that was already pushing for racial integration and, the, and for women of color to be part of that dialogue and that movement as a whole. So at the end of the day, the beauty of it is we work together with suffragists across the country and really help to drive that final moment in time, which we're now celebrating as the centennial of the passage of the 19th Amendment. But again, it's a process that's interesting to understand because even when we know what the goal is, getting there is, is so rich. And, uh, and we still do it today. You know, We work on, on complicated issues, policy issues at the federal, state and local level. But the journey in 1920 was joyous, but it, it took a lot of work and a lot of organizations coming together and, and raising their voices like the YWCA. And these struggles are never easy. That's why we call them struggles, I guess. Correct, correct. Well, the YWCA has always been, as you said, at the forefront of inclusion and ahead of social trends. Certainly, the motto is eliminating racism, empowering women, a very powerful motto. How are you all tackling the mission at this challenging moment? Because we are in a continuing struggle in our country. Yes, and... and our our mission statement, we owe it to the amazing work that Dr. Dorothy Haidt did um, literally 50 years ago, making sure that not only were we embracing that concept, but that we had it front and center of our mission statement, eliminating racism and empowering women. And that was the one imperative that Dr. Dorothy Haidt really spearheaded. Today, we continue to be relentless. And I say relentless because... We're about to launch a national media campaign, which is called Until Justice Just Is. And this is powerful because the message that we want to drive is that racial justice is not a episodic, it's not a one-off, it's not just a moment in time when the cameras are on. The work really is, is important when the cameras are off, when people's attention has maybe waned to something else, when we don't have the funders to really uplift our work. We do this work day in and day out in multiple ways, not only through our programs, through the policy work that we do, through the messaging, but making sure that we keep this front and center as a priority. Hence why we are reminded every day through our mission, eliminating racism and empowering women. So it's exciting work. It's hard work. Sometimes it's not for the faint of heart, because as you well pointed out, these are struggles. Um, communities that don't think they have a racial justice problem perhaps are the ones that should be first in line. But we are working across communities in this country to really make sure that we continue to drive this message home, that we will continue to work until justice just is. And as you continue to do that work across communities, across America, uh, certainly uh, given these times and another struggle, the struggle to deal with the pandemic and the consequences of COVID-19, uh, that must loom very large for you, particularly because women have been disparately and disproportionately uh, impacted. And certainly the economic crisis is one that has come out of that. I have heard some economists refer to what we're going through, not as a recession, but a 
she session because it has so heavily uh, negatively impacted women. So what are what are some of the things that uh, YWCA is doing to help women at the community level? So we too are calling it a she session because we see it. The Bureau of Labor Statistics in December deemed women as the majority of the workforce, but they also stated that women were in sectors like the service sector and they had one or two jobs just to make ends meet. That was in December. As COVID rolled in, we saw it firsthand. We saw how hospitality and and restaurants and retail and many other service-oriented jobs were the first ones to go, where you saw the devastating economic impact. But then you also saw how COVID impacted communities of color, where women were also on the front line of, of the service industry. And when you take all of this in, you realize that we have to anchor this recovery around women, especially women of color, that we need to reimagine how women are going to participate in the workforce as well as in the future of work. So we're taking this very seriously. The other thing that we saw with COVID was how we had to turn our our programs and pivot to be able to respond to the needs of communities. So we turned our childcare centers into childcare centers for healthcare worker and for essential workers and first responders. And that was monumental because when you're a nurse, when you're a janitor, when you're a doctor in a hospital, you needed a place, a safe place that you could trust where to leave your child and and that they could continue to learn and be safe. And then thirdly, if I may, the enormity of the spike in domestic violence. Our associations did not close their doors. We actually had to find new ways and resources to continue to keep our doors open for survivors of domestic violence who were desperately looking for a place to go to with themselves, with their children, sometimes with extended families, like grandparents, or even with their pets. We had to find ways that could respond to that need, but also abide by by, uh, social distancing and health norms. Uh, So it was complicated, it was difficult, but we did it. We've been responding to communities across the country. Seneca's 100 Women to Cure will be back after a short break. I'm really glad you mentioned what's happened with domestic violence because it has, you know, it's an ongoing scourge in our country and certainly every country. But what happened with the pandemic, as you so stated, the spike has really created an enormous caseload of grief and suffering uh, for so many across the country. I want to move to a different arena in which you are active, and but one that I find very exciting uh, because you're engaged in a program called ETF. And I wonder for our audience, if you would be so kind as to explain what ETF is and why you are so engaged. Sure. So our ETF is called YWCA Women Empowerment ETF. And an ETF is abbreviation for Exchange Traded Fund. And this is an investment platform. This is not charity. This is an investment platform for individuals who are seeking what's called ESG-aligned investments, so ESG, environmental, social governance. And our ETF has 19 criteria by which we measure different companies across the board, making sure that 
policies and programs within these companies are truly empowering women and communities of color. So as investors go out to the marketplace and they're trying to not only drive return, but also making sure that their investments are aligned with a mission, YWCA's ETF is a great option. I'm not here to tell you how to invest because I don't want to go run afoul to the SEC, but I am here to highlight the partnership that we have with Impact Shares. We are one of three nonprofit organizations in the country who have embarked on this very innovative platform. And it does two things. One is it gives options for individuals who really want to align their investments with their values. And two, it also provides organizations like YWCA an opportunity to speak to the private sector, to be able to drive change in the private sector, and also to be able to diversify our revenues. Because instead of going to a big financial service company, the fees actually come back to the YWCA for our own innovation fund, to be able to have the liberty and the flexibility to test and to seed new concepts and new ideas without having to chase philanthropy. So it is a beautiful platform. It's an innovative tool. We are partnering as well with the Rockefeller Foundation, who, by the way, I have to give you a little bit of historic feedback. The Rockefeller Foundation was engaged with the YWCA back in 1925, and we created the first women's retirement fund, which is completely operational and fully funded. This preceded Social Security by 10 years. I share that story because I want to highlight how innovation happens when you have good partners, but also when you have some good ideas that can live out the test of time. And that's what our retirement fund has done. And that's what we hope our ETF will do as well. Well, it sounds like once again, the YWCA is on the cutting edge of innovation. You know, so many people today, particularly many, many women, want a sound return on their investment. They want it to pay off, but they also want to have social impact with their investment. And particularly in terms of investing in companies that are making a difference for women. I wonder, listening to you, Alejandra, you're involved in so much good work. What was it in your own background that's drawn you to this work? What a great question. You know, I am the daughter. I am f- firstborn American. I was I was born in Corona, Queens, by parents of Dominican ancestry. And they came to the U.S. Um, fleeing a dictatorship. And when you grow up with parents who have experienced what a dictatorship um, looks like, feels like, and the impact, they honored the democratic process of the United States, the the freedom, uh, all the the rights that we are afforded through our constitution and through our leadership. So I grew up recognizing what dictatorship meant to my parents, but also embracing what the U.S. brought to my family, which was freedom and opportunity, truly freedom and opportunity. I also had the experience at the age of 11 living. My parents decided to go back for a few years to the Dominican Republic and really living in a developing country. What does that mean? How does that look like? What role can we play when we look at not just our community domestically, but when we really open up and really consider the intern, our community, the entire globe? Um, so I've been, I've had the ability to both live in the U.S. and have a great, great uh, life and, and growing up, but also realizing that the rest of the world has a different reality. What does that mean for women? 
What does that mean when we talk about poverty? What does that mean when it, we talk about civil society? Um, so I bring all of that. I bring that learned, that lived experience into an organization that is emblematic of all of that. And uh, I just found a home. My work, both in government, I served in the Clinton administration and I served in the Obama administration, has been about being a public servant. And that has uh, really shaped who I am. And as I move forward, continues to inspire me. I believe in government and I believe in government service. And I believe that we all have a role to play to really make a difference. Well, you've certainly been using your power, your talents, your experiences for purpose, uh, purpose and service. And that comes through very, very strongly in, in our discussion. I wonder if I could end by going back to the work of the YWCA, uh, working with so many people who are struggling and suffering, particularly in these difficult times. What is it that makes you optimistic? I'm optimistic every single day. As I mentioned before, the work can feel daunting. Sometimes it's not for the faint of heart. But the, the reason I'm optimistic is, is threefold. One is the people who, journey, who I journey with, the people across the nonprofit sector who are relentless, who continue to do the work in so many different capacity, in housing, in health, in education, in the environment. So there's a cadre of incredible leaders that are uh, really driving the nonprofit sector. That inspires me. I'm in awe of my peers, and I work closely with all of them. Secondly is the team that we have at the YWCA, individuals who are committed to our mission, who stand up every single day. And my work is easy uh, because, you know, I, I, I don't do the direct services from my office, but the YWCs that are delivering direct services, they have the finger on the pulse. They see how our work transforms lives. And I always say we're in the business of transforming lives. And then thirdly, what, what keeps me optimistic is that, you know, our core values as a country are that of service and creating opportunities. I believe in that. I really believe that that is the soul of our country. And I believe that we continue to uh, work and strive for it because we're not perfect, right? It's, it's that aspirational process of making sure that we reach, we reach the, the best of us. I'm optimistic every day and I love this work. I get up every morning, you know, uh, five o'clock in the morning. I'm already thinking what's on my to-do list because there's so much to do. And all I want to say is everyone has a role to play. If you haven't found that role, you know, call us. We can help you. It, it, it could be as an advocate. It could be, you know, writing to your members of Congress. It could be volunteering or, or donating. There's so many ways that you can be involved. Um, and I thank you for this opportunity to be able to talk to you today. Well, it has been a real pleasure for us to have you with us today. I want to thank you for your inspiration, but more importantly, to thank you for what you and the YWCA do every single day to make a difference. And you're right. Each of us can make a difference because each of us can serve. Thank you so much, Alejandra. It was a pleasure. Thank you. What impressive and inspiring work Alejandra Castillo is doing at the YWCA. And there's so much we can learn from her. As Alejandra says, the work of social justice has to be consistent and relentless. It must be pursued every day in every way. Sometimes that work will be difficult or uncomfortable, but it is absolutely necessary. In these challenging times, it's inspiring to hear how the YWCA has been able to deal with some of today's most pressing issues. 
including providing childcare for frontline workers and helping the survivors of domestic violence. And we can all learn from the YWCA's history of innovation. They started the first women's retirement fund and their new investment fund, the YWCA Women's Empowerment Exchange Traded Fund, is a great way to support good works. If you'd like to help the vital work of the YWCA, go to ywca.org. And tune in tomorrow to hear about our next featured woman and discover why she's one of Seneca's 100 women to hear. For more great listens from Seneca Women, check out our other podcasts. Every weekday, join us for a brief take on all the good that's happening in the world on Seneca's Hear Something Good. And every Thursday, listen to inspiring and shared learnings from legendary women entrepreneurs on Made by Women. If you want to support organizations making a difference for women and girls, you can donate to the Women's Economic Future Fund. Learn more on our website at SenecaWomen.com. Seneca's 100 Women to Hear is a collaboration between the Seneca Women Podcast Network and iHeartRadio with support from founding partner P&G. Special thanks to our iHeart producers, supervising producer Molly Socha and supervising sound producer Matt Stillo. If you like what you heard on the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. We hope you'll join us for our next episode of 100 Women to Hear, where we can all listen, learn, and get inspired. Have a great day. 